You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. Marcus Benjamin here with my guy Frank Tucker representing the crib, South Florida. And we're representing canescounty.com, part of the rivals.com network. And transfer portal's been buzzing for the Miami Hurricanes. They picked up two guys at the same time yesterday. Ajay Allen uh, is a guy who could make an immediate impact at running back. And Jadias Richard is another guy added to the DB room. Now, that DB room, just, just to kind of off the top, it's, it's, it's pretty stacked now. It's, you got a lot of players in that room. Uh, when it comes to, you know, to Corey Couch, Devontae Brown, Daryl Porter Jr., Terry Roberts, and now Jadias Richard, uh, Jaden Davis, who was added last week. It, it's, it's become a crowded room all of a sudden. And when a room becomes crowded today in college football, it usually means that someone's going to exit. Now, I'm not saying that 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 is going to happen, but just that's what just logic tells me, Frank. What does this crowded DB room tell you? It could see the exit of Corey Couch now uh, as a potential grad transfer uh, to another program. I could see him dropping down to maybe the group five level. Uh, he's a guy who's been in the program for five years now. Uh, he's supposed to be that nickel uh, starter for this defense. And with the addition of Jadias Richard, it looks like Jaden Davis is probably going to end up being more of an inside guy than an outside guy here at the University of Miami. Because uh, Jadias Richard is an outside corner, uh, did start a game last year for Vanderbilt, uh, was really good down the stretch last year, and ele- elevated to the top of the depth chart for Vanderbilt uh, in this spring. So He's a guy at six foot, two hundred ninety-seven pounds. Fits that mold of somebody that can play on the outside, opposite Devontae Brown. So I could definitely see uh, Tory Couch being a guy that tries to leave the program as a grad transfer, like a Brian Ballum that we're expecting to leave uh, as soon as he graduates, or Peyton Matocha, uh, who is currently not even really around. Um, also, I think this kind of spells maybe the end for Chris Graves at the University of Miami. He was a guy who kind of came in with expectations to be a future potential starter uh, at the University of Miami, and he hasn't really developed into that. Uh, We've heard a lot of struggles with him in the spring, and now we're seeing them bring in a guy with multiple years of eligibility, uh, similar length, um, and really better size and production already on the – highest level of college football, which is the SEC. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think that Judas Richard comes to Miami as a potential starter, uh, immediate starter, because uh, we you know, we heard rumors that they turned down Anquan Fagans uh, or Trey uh, Quan Fagans to take uh, Judas Richard. So that's a huge thing because if you're turning down – Fagan's kid from Alabama. That means you're turning down his brother, too, who is a borderline five-star prospect in the 2025 class. So 
It's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think that there's a lot of expectations for Richard. I don't care that he came from Vanderbilt. He's got, a, you know, 11 flat speed coming out of high school, 6'297 pound size, and really, really good things coming out of Vanderbilt camp from the spring this year. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for, for him. Like you said, a lot of eligibility left. So that does bring up a question mark for some of the younger guys. We'll see how it all plays out. But running back, got an upgrade with Ajay Allen. Now, this guy is an explosive, explosive player. If you get a chance to watch his high school tape, it's 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 pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, he didn't really show a lot uh, at Nebraska last season, uh, but he did have some flashes before his season-ending injury. But now he joins the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, by the way, both of these guys, Louisiana guys, and it seems that the OC and DC, Shannon Dawson and Lance Gidry, are going to continue to bring in kids from the boot or from the bayou uh, because bringing in these two guys is definitely evidence of that. But I definitely like what I saw from Jai Allen. The running back room is definitely a room that needs depth because you got Henry Parrish, who is your obvious starter, and uh, uh, Cheney is a guy who has been injury prone but uh, did look good in the spring. But you definitely want depth in the running back room. I mean, the injury bug bit us last year, and we had to pick up uh, Lucius Stanley from UAB um out of out of nowhere so you don't want to be in that situation again so i like the pickup what say you i love it he was 2200 yards 34 touchdowns as a senior uh we, we had him as a top 30 running back at rivals in the 2022 class so it means there's a there is talent there uh and honestly he showed a little bit last year at Nebraska, uh, was averaging almost six yards per carry, uh, had a couple touchdowns in those four games, was averaging almost 60 yards per game, despite having multiple games with very little, if any, touches. I think four carries in one game. But he kind of, in that last game against Oklahoma, had around 50 yards rushing and was looking really good before he broke that collarbone uh, that ended his season. And uh, that's another thing that I, I'm not worried about at all. A broken collarbone, the likelihood of that happening again is minimal. This isn't a knee injury, so that explosive skill set is still there for A.J. Allen. Uh, and we saw it in the spring. Miami was using walk-on running backs at heavily, heavily behind the likes of, you know, Henry Parrish and Don Chaney. We don't know if we're ever going to see Gerontae Citizen in this backfield again. That he had another injury. The last time we saw him was at the spring game in a full air cast on that on that uh, injured knee. Couldn't walk. Uh, was in was on crutches. Uh, that that doesn't really you know foreshadow to uh, a near recovery for Javante Citizen. So I, I know that they had really high expectations for him when he came over um, as a high four star prospect and top ten caliber running back, but. He has just had too many knee injuries. A patella tendon injury, which is what he's rumored to have right now, is something that can put you out for like a whole year. It's worse than an ACL. So I, I think this kind of just 
says he's not going to be a guy that they expect to see any contribution from this year. And also, maybe it spells the fact that Chris Johnson might not be ready to play as soon as he steps on the field, uh, you know, other than being a kick return, punt return, uh, potentially receiving back out of this uh, out of this uh, in this offense. So I think it doesn't hurt anything for Mark Fletcher because A.J. Allen's more of a explosive type back, right, who is, you know, he's six yards per carry as a true freshman. Right. Yeah. And if he if he could That's be what yeah, if he could be what Rooster was supposed to be in this offense last year, right? That that kind of adds that scat back type guy, that guy who can give you, you know, that explosive skill set that AJ Allen has yeah. uh, to complement Mark Fletcher. Um and, and I think that with four years of eligibility, that's an intriguing, intriguing addition. He he's going to be a really good player. Um, everything that you were hearing when he left Nebraska, if you if you look into that, they were not happy that he left the program. They they had a lot of talent in that running back room, uh, but they were saying one of the one of the very few guys that they did not want to lose on this team under Matt Rule was AJ Allen, just because four years of eligibility. You go back and watch the high school tape, like you said, and it is exciting. It it, it is fun to watch, and uh, I just put a tweet out. Uh, talking about the senior production of the last four running backs Miami has brought in in the last two cycles, and it is elite. Over 20 touchdowns for each kid, over 1,000 yards of production, a lot of times over 2,000 yards of production. Uh, yeah. A.J. Allen is, gonna be, is going to be a guy that maybe doesn't start this year, uh, but is going to have a role as a big play threat um, very, very early. Yeah, I think he's a guy that can contribute uh, – you know, just this season, to be honest, just because he's got a year under his belt already and you don't want to blow the tires off of a Mark Fletcher. Um, I think Mark Fletcher is the running back of the future. So I wouldn't want to overwork him in, in his freshman year. And I, I think he can help the passing game as well. I, I think he, I, I think you draw a really good comparison to Rooster and Jalen Knighton. And the only thing that I hope is that he's not an injury-prone running back like Knighton sort of was during his time here at Miami. I mean, uh, this guy, Allen, already had a collarbone injury. I understand, you know, that's something that players do recover from, you know, after a year. But he is 5'11", 180. Uh, You'd like to see him maybe gain a little bit more weight or a little, just a little bit more muscle so he can sustain some big hits on the college level. Uh, but I definitely like what the Miami's doing in the transfer portal here. We're expecting more players to commit to Miami this week. So this is yet another wave for this Miami Hurricanes program. And this is basically what we see from, from Cristobal and his staff. We see waves of commitments. Uh, committing to the University of Miami. And there are plenty of guys that were on campus uh, last week that have a possibility to commit. And most people are just kind of wondering who's next. Who's next as far as transferring? Taiwan Malone is a guy, uh, is a name that has been thrown around for a while. I still believe that he ends up committing uh, to Miami. 
What are some of the other names that you think could possibly commit to um, Miami this week or or in the future as far as the yeah, transfer portal? Yeah, I think Shamar Kirk, a JUCO receiver out of Reedley, California, is a guy that is probably going to end up in this class. Uh, you know, he's publicly said really good things about uh, his visit to the University of Miami this past weekend, bonded really well with Kevin Beard. Um, and has a relationship with Isaiah Horton, which is a is a really good thing as well. Uh, so I already have a familiarity with someone uh, who's in the program in his position group is a solid thing. And, and he comes with production, right? And he was a guy that had some issues coming out of high school um, and is, you know, kind of developed into the potential receiver that you want at the Power 5 level while at Reedley uh, Junior College. So he's a guy that can come in, has experience already, has a chip on his shoulder as a JUCO guy, something we see, uh, you know, in, in, in Colby Young. Uh, he came yeah. in, you know, in July. And before the end of the year, he's already the number one receiver on this team. So um, JUCO has been JUCO has been a, a positive spot for Miami since the arrival of Mario Cristobal. And, and we see them continue to dip into that well um, this year as well. Um, I also think that Taiwan Malone is going to be a guy that ends up in this class. We've talked about him pretty heavily. He just put out that he was entering the portal yesterday, uh, which everybody already, but everybody already knew he was in the portal. Uh, but he decided to throw that out there yesterday. Um, so I, I think his decision is not a rush decision, uh, despite you know things that we were hearing that it, it was close uh, for him committing. I think he's going to commit this week. Uh, we know that there's probably going to be a string of commitments out of the transfer portal and maybe Miami's you know, spacing things out a little bit right now. Um, and Taiwan Malone, I think he's going to be one of those big gets. Um, I would not be surprised to see Larry Nixon end up in this class, North Texas linebacker. Uh, he did visit this weekend as well as a ton of production at the linebacker position, almost 180 tackles over the last two years, including being one of 1600 tackle performers in college football last season. So he was an all-conference guy um, and has that 6'2", 235-pound frame that you'd rather see at the linebacker position rather than Corey Flags, 5'11", 220 pounds. Uh, so uh, I, I love the potential of those two guys ending up in the in the class through the transfer portal. Amari Wiggins, I think, ends up at Miami. I think the relationship before, uh, with – Before you get to that, uh, Nixon, how many, elig- how many years of eligibility does he have, like two or three? I think I think he has two. I know he's already played three years. I don't know if one of those years got taken off by by COVID. He has at least one year um, of eligibility. I wasn't sure on the exact amount. That COVID year, it, it makes the interpretation of of what their eligibility is really weird. You know, you got guys who are still seven, eight years in college football uh, having eligibility. So um, yeah. I. I I'm not really worried about the eligibility for Larry Nixon. I like even with Francis Mal- I mean Francisco Malagoa in the boat, who's supposed to be that in you know that starting Mike linebacker, and Wesley Besaint, who we, who was a superstar for this team. You gotta have a third guy in that group because we had Ryan Ragone out there in, in the spring game, right? We know that they there are going to be times where they're going to use a linebacker at that third linebacker slash nickel spot. Right when it gets down to run situations, they want to put a bigger body on the field. We've heard Lance Geiger talk about putting James Williams at that spot. 
Uh, he's got some shoulder issues, and he's been a guy of the past that hasn't necessarily wanted to play the linebacker position. So uh, I could definitely see them being able to utilize a really high productive guy out of the transfer portal, even if it's a one-year thing. Like they went and got Caleb Johnson last year. If he can be a better version of Caleb Johnson for this team, then I think that's a positive, positive addition. Um, you ready for the next one? Yeah, yeah. I think Nixon has one year left uh, based yeah. on what, he, what he's done so far at North Texas. But, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Amari Wiggins, that's that's the other guy that I think ends up in this class. And I, I think he immediately becomes the center of the future. Uh, we saw Antonio Tripp with uh, an elbow injury coming out of the spring, was in a was in an arm cast, uh, did not look like he was coming back anytime soon either. And there was questions about him, right? Like he wasn't a full-time starter at IMG his senior year. Uh, he was more of a three-star prospect rather than that four-star, five-star type prospect that we saw um, with the Kinsler kid or the the two, you know, superstar offensive tackles that you got, Francis Malagoa and Samson Okanlola. So he's a guy that Comes in, looked really good. Was a first team Kansas uh, Junior College Conference uh, All Conference type player last year as an offensive guard. So he provides positional versatility that Mario Cristobal loves so much, and has a future at the center position. Which after Matt like after Matt Lee leaves, you don't have a guy that you can just immediately slot in there, right? We've seen Lawrence Seymour have his moments. We don't know how how good he can be as a consistent starter on the power five level at being six foot one, 300 pounds. Right uh, now they're, they're grooming Ryan Rodriguez to be the uh, backup center. Yeah. Is that, is that like, I, I, we love Ryan Rodriguez, right? We thought he was a great player. Columbus again was a low three-star prospect. If Amari Wiggins can be a guy that is a high potential player at six foot three, 315 pounds, 310 pounds, uh, who, who's already got that college football experience that, that Kansas, that Kansas, uh, junior college conference is the highest level of junior college. Like we, you see the like East Mississippi, I think like East Mississippi's in that, or like teams like that, you know what I'm saying? Like all the top teams, Butler, right. A lot of the top teams in junior college are in that conference and you see high level competition, a lot of bounce back power five guys and Amari Wiggins showed out in that high level of football. Uh, so I, I think that adding him uh, gives you that depth you still need at that, that guard spot. We saw a lot of injuries in the spring, uh, and I think that he provides immediate future at that center position as well. Yeah, man. So we'll, we'll see what else Miami does as far as position groups with the transfer portal. Like we said, we anticipate a lot more action happening this week with the transfer portal. Still need to fill positions like D-tackle, offensive lineman, they could use another one, like you mentioned, and linebacker, like you mentioned with Nixon, and another receiver. We're still waiting on that receiver, and like you said, Kirk uh, could possibly uh, be the guy. Uh, but Miami has been has been busy on, in, in other sports as well as far as the transfer portal. And Miami picked up Matthew Cleveland from Florida state from the rival Florida state. And, and there's a picture going around with him, you know, with throwing down the U and now he's throwing up the U and that, and the one where he's throwing up the U is the only one 
that matters. Of course, Cleveland was the guy who deflated the Watsko Center last season in a, with a last-second shot to beat Miami and Miami's home winning streak at the time and almost nearly knocked them out of the ACC Conference uh, Championship race as well. But now he is a Miami Hurricane. I think he's a really great player. I think he basically – you can't really replace a Jordan Miller, but he is going to replace him position-wise. He He's going to be that wing player who can basically do it all, basically run the point if needed, play shooting guard, play small forward, and gobble up rebounds when Omir is not able to, and – just just be that all-around player for, for the Hurricanes. Now, the, the Canes do need another player because you did lose your all-star in Isaiah Wong as well. So you need a guy there as well, like another combo guard because, yeah, Bensley Joseph is a great player, uh, but I think it would be beneficial to the Hurricanes if they get one more guard slash wing player. Of course, you got Wooga Poplar as well, who potentially uh, will will start as well. And then, of course, you got Omir. But I think you'd need one more guy uh, to, you know, kind of step up here. Unless last year's freshman uh, really take that next next step. But overall, I think the, the pickup was great for the Miami Hurricanes. And the fact that you got it from a rival makes it seem like, hey, nobody's safe. <laughs> nobody's safe out there uh, when it comes to my, the Miami Hurricanes and uh, what we can, what the Hurricanes can offer as far as um, NIL opportunities and just what the city provides overall with just opportunities, um, you know, as student athletes. I, I think it's just a really great pickup uh, for, for the Miami Hurricanes. And then, um, and then with baseball, I just kind of wanted to touch on this last run here uh, for the Hurricanes. Uh, they're now 11th in the country. Uh, they played one of the toughest schedules in the country, and their their pitching though is still a question mark. And uh, we haven't seen Carson Lagone for for a couple of weeks now, which is concerning. Uh, my guess is that he'll play this week at Pitt. But you need a guy like him to be healthy. And if he's not, this team is not going to sniff Omaha, uh, to be honest, because Miami has the hitting to, to hit with anybody. Top 10 in the in, in the country when it comes to home runs. And they they just know how to to produce runs. And, and it's a deep lineup, too. There, there's so many guys you can kind of plug in there. And this team just does not miss a beat. But if they don't get their pitching, you know, straightened out or, if, or, if, well, basically what it comes down to is, is Gino Damari, man. He has to figure out a way to manage this pitching staff in order for it to, in order for this team to go far because, you know, pitchers like Alejandro Rosario, I don't think are built for long pitching outings. So you're going to have to bring in uh, players or pitchers from the bullpen to help, you know, 
keep keep the uh the the other team's score line at bay and uh that so Gino Demar is really gonna earn his money <laughs> this during this final stretch or earn his, earn his dad's money <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah or he is going to be highly ridiculed because you know the hurricanes fans can be very brutal here so hey but listen gabe zeal looked lights out in his last start right eight innings 12 strikeouts so that that's a positive no i i get it but he was throwing he was throwing he was throwing he was throwing hard he was looking good he was consistent 12 strikeouts against anybody is a really good thing he went eight innings showed he could go you know almost the, the full distance with a complete game and really, you just need six innings of competent pitching uh, with this offense that just continues to hit home runs. Like it, it's every time you look up against, unless it's like a against like a Vanderbilt or like a Wake Forest or something along those lines, right? They're hitting back to back homers every time you look up. So yeah. th- this team, I mean, like you said, they're so talented um, at the plate. Uh, like Aaron Boone said, I got savages in that box. I got savages <laughs> in that box. Miami's got savages in that box. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, they're a fun team to watch. If, if anything, they are fun to watch, man, because, uh, you know, college baseball is not exactly, uh, you know, must watch TV on a consistent basis. But when a Hurricanes game is, is there to watch, it is, it is a it's it's must watch because it could get interesting at the end. You never know. I mean, they were up like thirteen to one uh, at the end of the, one of the games against Presbyterian, and boom, it's three it's three runs against the, that that uh, that bullpen right at, like as soon as as soon as it hits the ninth inning, and you're like, well, okay, things are interesting here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think it's gonna be fun. And, and listen, we know how how playoffs are in any sport, let alone. I mean, last year Miami went in as a they were supposed to win the region and, and make Domo, and then they uh, they lost pretty much immediately right so yeah yeah uh, to the eventual national champion which is yeah <laughs> so you don't know you just don't know it's you know it's like miami in basketball right like we watched like the expectation wasn't for them to make it to the final four but they yeah. did right yeah. so we never know it, gino demar could could be looking uh looking at his team and be like this is better than last year we can you know we fix some issues so yeah yeah we'll yeah see. gabe, we'll gabe Steel is is um definitely come on for sure he um started out a little slow but he's really come on a, as of late and uh he earned another pitcher of the week award uh this week for his performance against presbyterian but he's only one guy man and he pitches one game so that's one win uh possibly you know, and then, you know, like I said, Lagone needs to come back and then Damari just has to figure things out in that third third game. But, uh, you know, Honda Morales has been lights out. I uh, loved what I've seen from CJ Kathis, Blake Sear, Levinson, Viegas, Carrier. I mean, these guys are... Lorenzo Carrier is a monster. <laughs> yeah. What in the world, man? Yeah, this guy, this guy's a beast, man. And he's going to be... He's going to be some someone special in the next year or so. And uh, Carlos Perez, who comes in kind of sparingly, but I believe he's still leading the team in home runs, which would be great. With all the – like Patelli, right? Like yeah. you got CJ Kafis, right? You got – like it's – it is like Blake Sear, right? Out of all those guys hitting the way they are, you got Yo-Yo, right? He's yeah. still like the guy who, who's like leading the team in homers. Nobody's talking about him. So right. – 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're a fun team to watch. Um, I I believe they'll make easy work of Pitt this weekend. Pitt not really that good. Uh, the the series next week, and they also got FIU midweek, which is always a tough game for some reason. The, these Florida teams midweek have always been kind of tough. They've been dicey. <laughs> and uh, but next week uh, is a big series against Duke. Duke right now tenth in the country, so we're right there behind them. Uh, three-game series against Duke, very interesting series. Probably will decide if Miami will host a region or not ahead of the ACC tournament. So we'll see what happens there. So that's all I wanted to kind of talk about as far as uh, baseball and basketball. But any anything else you wanted to touch on as far as recruiting? Um, I know you've been out there for, for some spring practices. Um Anything else you you want to um, provide? Sure. Miami just offered Miami Central 2025 defensive lineman Randy Adarika, uh, oh. and I love I love this offer. I yeah, love yeah, this yeah. offer, and it, and it's probably not it's probably going to go under the radar. Uh, he announced it late last night. Uh, he's he is a six foot four, two hundred fifty five, two hundred sixty pound, three technique, four eye type guy. Um, probably going to be more of an inside player at has the potential to be 285, 290 pounds easily at the next level. And he came to Miami Central last year by way of Carroll City as a virtual unknown and became kind of one of those stars of that defense last year. And expectations are really high for him. Randy Adarika was a guy who Ruben Bain took under his wing last year. They, they were training together. Uh, after practice, you would see them working together constantly. So Ruben Bain is still an influence at Miami Central, and the relationship there, uh, at big bro, little bro type relationship, is, is still heavily there between Adarika and Bain. I, I think he's going to have a huge season this year, and the fact that Miami jumped on him before, I mean, he's got like 15 offers. You know, he, he's got some offers, but it wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of traction, right, with the, the national recruiting talk and things of that nature and he had some offers you don't know how committable those offers were a lot of times people offer based on size and potential the fact that Miami has jumped in means that they definitely see potential for him to end up in that 2025 class because when you off if Miami's offering a kid out of Miami Central you got to honor that right you got too many guys in the building from that Miami Central program uh, you don't want to eliminate that pipeline in any way shape or form because you got EJ Marcelin you got Amari Wallace in that 2025 class, and then you got a litany of other kids in 2026 that are going to be studs uh, in, in probably Miami targets as well. So love that offer. That's something that I would definitely be monitoring. Uh, we are going to talk to him soon and have something out there um, on, you know, what's the communication like with Miami, what's going on there, and how are they already slotting in as one of the top teams for him going into his junior year. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely excited about him and, uh, you know, just pretty much everybody on that central defensive line can make their way to to, to Coral Gables potentially. So um, excited about that. All right. So that, that's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Once again, I'm Marcus Benjamin. Make sure you visit our website, canescounty.com. You see it scrolling down there. And use the promo code Miami30 for the first 30 days for free. 
at guy over there is Frank Tucker. Make sure you follow him on the crib, South Florida, bringing you all kinds of news from our South Florida football athletes. And make sure you follow us on all platforms as well. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And shout out to Miami Heat, man. Shout out to the Miami Heat. Thank you see me with the Miami Heat hat. We, we're, we're about to make easy work of the Knicks. And we're, we're going to, you know, take out the Celtics next. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to take out the Celtics next, and we're going to go to the NBA Finals. That's what that's what's going down. Shout out to the Panthers as well. They're, they're making history. The Panthers are actually the favorite to, to make it to the Stanley Cup right now, which is unreal right now what's going on in South Florida sports. Uh, Final four for the for college basketball team. The women's team made it to lead eight. Nova Southeastern won the D1 champ D yeah D2 championship and you know now we've got the heat and how the heat got to spoil it how the heat have to ruin it for you guys everybody in South Florida they have to ruin it because they can't beat the Celtics Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown got their number they're going to make easy work in these next two games of the 76ers James Harden's not going to get fluke threes in overtime anymore because uh, we got former defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, who's going to step up and finally show his worth and not shoot 6 of 15 from the field anymore. Jason Tatum's going to step up and be that 40-point guy himself. Jalen Brown already a stud in the postseason. Uh -huh. I am loving the Celtics, who are the favorites, the favorite to win the NBA title, regardless of conference. You're seeing the Warriors get worked by LeBron James and the scrub right. L.A. Lakers. And now you have my Celtics in position to play a bum Miami Heat team, okay, wow. that right. that can't that is relying on an old Jimmy Butler and a Bam out of bio that forgets <laughs> how to play basketball after February. I am feeling good about All my right. Celtics. Feeling well, good. They might not get past the Sixers. Let's just say that. Let's just easy work. Let's easy just, work. Let's just see what happens there because James Harden doing his thing, and the MVP Joel Embiid may just end your your dream here. And the Celtics don't have our number, bro. Like, get it, get it, get out of here with that. And why are what? you a Celtics fan anyway? Yo, hey, listen, I, I, I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> I'm a Celtics fan. Ooh. I'm a Hurricanes fan. I'm a Dolphins fan. Okay. You know, you made up for it there, but Ooh. and then I just thought, I, and then I'm just not a hockey guy. I just, I have not watched a hockey game on TV. I don't think ever in my entire life. What? I haven't been. I haven't. Missing, I haven't been to a hockey game probably in ten years. Wow. That is, you that is a sport. And hockey is amazing. So, so I, like so engaging. It's like you're you're just it's it's anxiety on ice. It, it's 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 intense. It's really intense. Like I love hockey, man. Love hockey. But anyways, man, go Panthers, go Heat. You know, um, let's let's see those little green men eliminated by the by the Sixers, and we'll move on to the next episode. See you next time on the Storm Tracker Podcast.